Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Nice and low. Don't jar anything. Hopefully the stuff I'm playing out of, um, out of, what is this thing called? What is this called, this program? Farago. Farago. Hopefully it's coming out all right because it's been coming out awfully, which is why we've employed Tommy from New Hampshire's uh, good computer, and now it's not working. And he sent the I'm thing sure over. sure we can pick Not only did he hold... Because I'm so really impotent, he re- made, rebuilt us a beautiful MacBook Air computer, sent it to us, sent a cord, sent another cord because I needed to be handheld because I couldn't be, but I don't know if it's a cord. It's, it's probably another fix, but I'm not going to, you know what? I'm going to stand up, Alice, uh-huh. and I'm going to be assertive and I'm going to take the initiative and I'm not going to have him uh, it, it do the... Um, Tech support as well. I'm going to figure this okay. out on my own, why this Excellent. is happening. On my own. The same exact way I changed the battery of our car today okay. on my own. Uh-huh. Correct. But it's not true. Alice changed the battery today. No, mostly your brother did. But, it's, but, it's just, but, but here's the thing. My brother, one, has like some kind of certification in electronics, and I'm afraid he get electrocuted. So, and you're <laughs> not. So that's why you guys did it. I don't. I don't like that. It makes me very uncomfortable. The prospect at any second I'm going to get a charge, probably because my dad made me and Jimmy uh, hold on to the electric fence in Vermont a but few times. Jimmy also did that, and he's not afraid of the car. Yeah, but he then took the class, and I think that's that scared him straight. So, I do want to talk about speaking of electric fences and animals. My two friends. Um, who is this? Tell me who this is. Oh, good. Okay. What is the? What are the two horses we met today? Indy and uh, Dignity. Correct. We met two horses today, Indy and Dignity. What are you looking for? Uh, I was wondering if Mom stole my Oreos. Oh no, they're up on the shelf in the top, like a little bit in the middle, because Anson was trying to get up. But good guess though. That's something yeah, I would do. It's good. Yeah, they're in the yeah top middle shelf. Okay. Um. Yeah, so what happened was uh, there was Sally broke into his Oreo collection, and then Anson broke into his Oreo collection. I said, just one, that's it. And then, and then Anson returned to attack the Oreos again. <laughs> and I busted him because that's how we do things around here. I In heard, fairness, someone stole his fruit roll up at play practice. That was today. Anson's fruit roll up. I don't know how this happens that my kids are always victims of crimes <laughs> and, and nobody ever tells anybody who does anything. It's like, Jesus. That's a you thing, though. That's you a, have stories like that from when you're a kid of like not telling adults when things happen to you, mm-hmm. like your finger in the Ferris wheel and whatever. Yeah, I crushed my my thumb in the Ferris wheel at Niagara Falls. In uh, this is like eighty one or something. I had my hand hanging out there, and it and it there's this tire, two tires that were like the mm-hmm. gears, and my my thumb went through it, and it crushed it almost flat. 
and I was so afraid that that my that the remedy would have to be getting my thumb amputated that I didn't tell my mother. <laughs> You know, and I just waited like in a month and it was fine after that. You're right about that. And then they stepped in the clamshell in 1978 in uh, Canada and crawled along active train tracks, two city blocks <laughs> back to the, our, where my, rather than tell my brother who was in the water with me, I crawled two blocks mm-hmm. on train tracks that are used in Lake Massawippi in, in Canada and just bled through the foot. And then I got bad stitches and they got infected. It's, it's, it was a terrible <laughs> thing. Terrible thing. Jeez. I don't know what I started. The moral anyway. of the story is if you're a kid, just tell people if something's wrong. Well, yeah. Yeah. Especially, I guess, if you're bleeding, it probably would have been wise. Oh, my brother. It was so glorious. So the, my brother got <laughs> devastated. He was so in trouble. My grandfather, who was like dead a year later, like laid into him. It was so joyous for me to see Jimmy take my brother take so much heat. Um, because everybody blamed me because I crawled back alone when I was only five or whatever, and mm-hmm. even though I never told him, so he's like, "No, I didn't know, I didn't know." Oh, great, <laughs> the hammer came down on him. I'm all over because there was there was like 15 relatives there, and everybody had their turn to yell at him. Oh, it's a big, big victory. 78 was a great year, as a matter of fact. <laughs> why would that be? Why does it make you happy when your brother gets in trouble? We had a we were rivals for a lot of times, a lot of times. That reminds me of the other thing that happened this weekend, too. So I'm napping upstairs with the baby, and I receive this text that's a photograph of some kind of, like, pitchfork, little tool, antique tool thing that you got. Picture picture the pitchfork from the, what's what's that famous painting with the husband and wife in the farm standing there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know Um, what I mean, but... um, but yeah, it's, it's from like 1890. The pitchfork. Yeah, it's this pitchfork, antique pitchfork that you got at some yard sale, and you were so happy about. And the text says, "Your kids had to break this because why not?" Right. And so I found <laughs> the pitchfork kids. out behind the shed, broken. I interrogated all the kids. The two t- older ones. Um, I didn't think my daughter did. So it's like the handle was like snapped in. It was half the whole thing was snapped in half, and and the two little ones I, I was convinced were lying because they will fabricate to get out of situations, and it's the kind of thing they would do. Like they just a couple of our our little kids, anything they they walk through a room, things American Gothic is yes, things will shatter. Yeah, things will shatter and break around them because they just break everything, Mm -hmm. and because like anything in the house. That it, it all means something to me is uh, t- somehow telepathically brought to them and then shattered. They break it because I, I can't have. So I've got nothing left from my childhood. It's, everything's destroyed. So that's the text <laughs> I get. Your kids had to break this because why right, not? Right. Because they're you my sat, kids. If you, as you laid around playing with a baby as I'm out there toiling. <laughs> Less than three weeks postpartum. Uh-huh. So, so anyway, so I interrogate the kids and I tell them I got a great thing going. I tell them that I have it. That we've got video cameras there, which there is one in that area. And I said that I'm going to find out, and if they haven't told me, and I see on video one of them playing with it. They they both said they even swore they never played with it, which there's no way they didn't touch it. So I know I got them busted, and and I, I figure I can get one of them to crack, and, <laughs> and I'm going to have to punish them because somebody's lying there anyway. Mm-hmm. And so just before I did, I just, just sent my brother a message saying, hey, but when you were taking care of the kids when Alice was giving birth, you, you didn't see... What happened to the, this? Or to anything. this, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he said, "Oh, damn, sorry, man. We were trying to clear out a brush from under the zip line, and I couldn't find anything else." It was, by the way, pretty weak that he couldn't find anything else. But still, <laughs> right as I was about to convict, like right, I was about to hit the electric chairs and the two little kids, he comes in and saves him. And then <laughs> it gets more controversial than this too. And then my oldest son, after I t- tell them that I show them that, that this the text is here, so they were saved at the last second, their <laughs> bacon is saved. My uh, my oldest son, who he who is kind of um, he and his uncle, you know, are very are close. They do a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. My oldest son said, "Oh yeah, you know, I forgot. I saw him do that, but I totally forgot that I did." <laughs> that what a lying bastard! In other words, he didn't flip on his uncle, right? So he didn't, he just, he stood up like mm-hmm. a mafia kid, did not flip on his uncle, who he enjoys a good relationship with in material wealth. <laughs> I mean, benefits. Good uh, presence. Yes, yeah. like awesome computers and, and, and stuff like that. 
and so he stayed loyal to him, and he was gonna let the other two take the take the uh, rap mm-hmm. and go down and be punished, knowing full well that he could exonerate them, but that would cost his uncle. Is a lot of e- evil conniving personalities <laughs> that your offspring uh, are, Alice. So I bring up the horses because I thought, um, <clears throat> I thought. Um, it worth saying. By the way, we're going to in just a moment um, be speaking to Faith Moore, the author of a uh, Christmas Carol, K A R O L. She's fantastic. She's a great mom. She's a, I, I, I found her to be just a, a just a joy to talk to. She was like very yeah. charming. I thought she's fantastic. But it's a new book she has out, a holiday book from um, Daily Wire Publishing. It's a fiction book. It's a Christmas story, as you may have gleaned from the name, that's based on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, but it's like a modernized, updated retelling. It's a super cool book. I've been reading it. It's great. Um, But yeah, we'll talk to her in a moment. So, so no, thinking about those horses, these were two women, probably in their 60s, who Mm -hmm. had the horses. Uh, Do you remember the names? Indian Dignity. Right. Indian Dignity. That's very good. It makes the word indignity. Huh? It makes the word indignity. Indy does? Well, indi indignity. Indignity. Oh, I see. Oh. Get it? <clears throat> it is it a contraction? Is that what that is? If you put them together, it makes indignity. Okay, but I, I believe the two horses belong to two separate women, but maybe not. It doesn't matter. Maybe they do that. Maybe they have. Well, two... anyway, that's how I remember it. So anyway, it's not intentional. They, they said they love to go there. This is up in Maudsley Park. They mm-hmm. love to ride the horses around Maudsley Park, and it's the fir- the land is very firm there, and, and there's lots of places to like get lost, and they love it. And and they they like that better than like Pipe Stave, which is another area around here we could go. And it really brings them joy. And I, these ladies. Dr- Drove the horses in their horse um, trailers mm-hmm. with pickup trucks themselves, like probably I think down from New Hampshire. Okay, and and they just do this, and I thought like that must be very fun for them. Th- these ladies are obviously friends. The horses are beautiful horses. They're obviously well taken care of. Oh, Toasty would I should have gotten the name for Toast. Toast is one of these. Maybe she'll know them from the horse yeah yeah. Names. Do you, maybe she knows the horse names, the horse, from the horse names. Anyway, these ladies were a joy to talk to. The kids got to see the horses up close. And I just thought of it, like, it's the same thing with, we're on the Merrimack River, so there's a lot of boat guys around here, and some mm-hmm. friends, a bunch of our friends actually have, um, with, like, credit scores, have, like, big boats and mm-hmm. cool boats and fun boats, and and I thought, like, the things people do to get a thrill... So having a boat is the biggest single pain in the ass in the world, and we've got just small boats in in Vermont, like like rowboat, sailboat, uh, like a John boat and a, mm-hmm. a motor boat, but like not like the small. And even my brother does all the work, but it's still a, a a pain in the ass. Like having to get your feed your horse, comb your horse, put all the horse stuff on your horse, put the horse in the trailer, drive the trailer down to Massachusetts. It's like a, that's a big pain in the ass. That's a, that's yeah. As a person like you, who's extremely put out by just owning a dog, you should not own a horse. <laughs> no, no. I my, I tried to get my mother to buy me a horse. Nineteen eighty five, because I had read. Um, if Black, she were still with read, us, she would have bought us several horses oh, yeah, by no, now for yeah, our kids. Definitely. But I was also a little pansy as a kid, and so I read Black Beauty, and so I needed to have a horse. And my mother was seriously looking into it. In Winchester, I was going to be a kid with a horse. And my brother said, I remember walking by one time, my mother and I talking about the horse. And my my brother said, yeah, Tom's going to have the only horse that's fat and has zits. Which is <laughs> <laughs> not a very conservative thing to say. Although it was not inaccurate. The horse would have been absolutely dead in a year. Um, and um, so, like, it's interesting that the, the, what people are willing to do. It's the same, the boat people especially. That's a lot of freaking work. Oh, and here's another thing. It's like camping. After you camp, like really camp, then you got to put the tent out in the lawn and like wash it down and dry everything off. And oh, all this stuff is just terrible. I don't get it, but people love it. People live for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like people who like climb with clamps and stuff too. It's worth it. <laughs> 
I mean, people who do things besides watch podcasts on YouTube for fun, yes, have to do more work. But I mean, do you do any hobby that's like that much of an inconvenience to you? The only thing I do is I have toyed with the idea of fishing, but I'm not going to eat fish that are in the Merrimack River. The only thing I do is walk. Mm-hmm. And I walk for a long time, but there's no overhead in walking. It's that's just true. me and a water and maybe a dog. And and that's it. I mm-hmm. mean, so there's no... Although, I mean, we do like to drive around. There's, I guess people might say, look at that and say, like, what's the use? But, but, but we've been driving around just aimlessly for years. It's like one, one of our most shared fun things. And I just don't... I'm just thinking you've got to be like... You've got to be at certain peace to be able to... For, to get that much joy from that one thing. It's same with the guys who, like in our friend Juan from Connecticut, he has flies, a plane. Yeah. yeah, the plane people. I don't get that either. What a pain! You got to log the hours and tell the guy in the. Well, plane. also that has like a high risk of death. That's the only thing I don't like about the plane thing. Yeah, like small aircraft pe- kill people all the time. Yeah, like constantly. Yeah, it seems like a really dangerous hobby. It, but though people love it, so I don't know. So yeah, what I do I know? But I have thought, you know, Alice, about like that maybe. Go ahead, you can say it out loud, Cyril. What's going on? You did something bad to what? One of the okay, what? I'll come take a look at one of the after. what? Piano books. Okay, you did something bad to it. Okay. Okay, I'll, he tried to fix it. I'll come. To he try said he it. did something bad to one of the piano books. Sorry, he so he he mm-hmm. front loaded his uh, his apology. Yeah. So no matter what it is, he's already absolved. He's already, it's already time served. Okay. Okay. So speaking of parenting, <sighs> Alice, this brings us to um, Faith Moore and her book Christmas Carol. It is available. You can get it now on Amazon or at Daily Wire, and it's 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 interesting. Her conversation. I found her so charming, and the conversation wasn't. She, she's not being judgy about being moms and this or that, and she's not really, you know, imparting a, uh, you know, a sage like wisdom. It, it's not a lecture at all. Right. It's just, a, and I found just speaking to her was it, it. It's almost it was almost therapeutic because just of the just her manner. Right, and I like the spirit of the book, and you'll find out more about the book and just parenting. And a lot of you moms and dads, anybody whose parents will uh, will be able to appreciate a lot of what uh, Faith Moore has to say. All right, we are thrilled to be joined by Faith Moore. She is the author of Christmas Carol, which is a book coming out of the uh, Daily Wire, and it's a book a lot like the uh, a Christmas Carol, the Dickens book, but very different as well. Faith, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So what inspired you to write a book um, based on a Christmas carol, but different? (laughs) Right. So Christmas Carol is a modern retelling of Charles Dickens is a Christmas carol. But the Scrooge character has been reimagined as a workaholic mom Mm -hmm. named Carol, whose miserliness is not about her money the way that Scrooge's is, but about her time and how much time she chooses to spend or not spend with her family. And You know, it's a story that came to me during the tail end of the pandemic. So A Christmas Carol is kind of a big deal in our family, in my family. We we not so much the book, although, of course, I've read the book many times, Mm -hmm. especially now that I've written this book. But actually, uh, the movie, the Alistair Sim version of A Christmas Carol is something that we watch every year um, at Christmas time in my family. And we have since I was a little girl. And so that's a story that's kind of imprinted on my heart. And what happened was at the tail end of the pandemic, after all of the parents had kind of had to come home for a long time, all the working parents had come home and And I was watching that kind of from the outside because I've been a stay-at-home mom since my first son was born almost nine years ago. And so I was kind of watching what that was like for them. And they were coming, they were at home. And of course, there was a lot of talk about how hard it was, how hard it was to be full-time parents and full-time workers at the same time at home. And they were really coming to grips with the the kind of myth of having it all, like you really can't have it all. And they were sort of seeing that in real time. But also I was hearing a lot of 
talk about just how wonderful it was, how wonderful it was Uh to be spending this time with their children and the things that they were realizing about their kids and the things that they were learning about their kids and how, how it kind of felt almost like a little gift inside of this kind of weird and difficult situation that they were going through. And then the pandemic ended and everybody went back to work. And so that Christmas when, you know, I think it was 2021, maybe the pandemic was kind of ending. People were kind of going back into the office and we watched that movie, A Christmas Carol. And I suddenly realized, you know, it's kind of the same idea that somebody is being given the opportunity to see what what they're missing or maybe what they're doing Mm. wrong or maybe what's not going quite right in their lives. And to maybe get the opportunity to do something about it. And I thought, hey, that's kind of the same thing that I'm witnessing here, this moment of getting to sort of take take stock. So what would it take for that kind of a person to actually change? And what would that be like? And that's kind of where this story came from. So it's, it's very interesting because I think a lot of people in both parents going to work and, I, you know, I do a radio show and we've got a podcast here. And Alice is actually in marketing as well. Mm-hmm. Going to work, you you can tell I've got ratings or or don't have ratings depending, it, you know. So I get that validation, and Alice has email numbers, whatever metrics, etc. So there is a success to you know failure uh, measure there. But with raising kids, it's I have no idea if we're, we have five now, and I still <laughs> am not quite sure what I'm doing. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, and so like the. The validation doesn't necessarily come straight at you. It comes from another place. I don't know if it's spiritual or or emotional, but like you can, if you, I think it's fair to say that if you don't have kids, then you have no idea what it's like to have kids. 100%. And there's a new energy at work and a new force at work mm-hmm. here. And it, it's, it's like... The world, the universe is different, and the validations come in different forms. And sometimes the validation is everybody actually making it to bed, or you know, or, or siblings getting along for five seconds. Um, mm-hmm. But is and it's a hard thing because, like you say, there's not always an immediate gratification of like a boss who says you did a good job, or a performance review, or a raise, or like having a great sales season or whatever it is that you get at work sometimes I think it's hard as a parent to feel as validated because there's not that kind of like you say immediate um, you know feedback that you're doing a good job and and a lot of times as a parent you feel like you're not doing a great job or you don't know what you're doing and it's funny because I was reading your book Faith and I could immediately tell it was written by a mom (laughs) with kids because you know reading the book it almost and it starts off and the main character Carol is sort of in this fog of like kids coming at her and it being Christmas Eve and people needing things from her and her work needing things from her and it was like so on the nose that I was like oh wow that's really almost too true to life I feel very seen by that and it's (laughs) um it, it is very right on and the kids saying mom 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 and you know that's it's so what it's actually like. And I think it's so great that you've written this book and from this perspective to kind of to make parents and moms and everybody feel a little bit seen and to know that this time isn't going into nowhere, too. Well, yeah, thanks. Sorry. Thanks for for noticing that. I completely agree. And I, I always say this motherhood is not my job. It's my vocation, because if it was my job, it would be a terrible job. There's no pay. There's no promotions. There's no break time. You know, there's you don't get any of the things that you get in a job. And you don't get, as you were saying, you don't get the kind of validation of like, am I doing a good job or or no? You know, I'm not really sure. You know, so I think that's a piece of it. And sometimes I think for a lot of people going to work kind of feels it feels more successful. It feels mm-hmm. there's there's not so much of that kind of confusion and guilt around, you know, am I doing a good job? Am I doing the right thing? And, and you know, I think that's something I tried to give to Carol, the character, is that kind of sense of like, I'm good at work. I know how I, I what I'm doing at work. I mm-hmm. get work and I'm struggling to understand my role as, as a mom. And that's kind of part of her journey. And Carol is the Carol of Christmas Carol by Faith Moore. Book, you can get it on Amazon. We'll tweet mm-hmm. all this stuff out. And at the Daily Wire as well. 
you know, it's interesting because I, I haven't started reading the book. I've been listening to you being interviewed about the book, but I, I, I wonder is 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 any of the motivation that that she's that that Carol is uh, committed to work at all because it the home stuff is harder or is it? Yes. So one of the things that was really important to me in writing the book was to make sure that Carol ended up being something, someone that you really actually did want to root for mm. that, you know, if she's just kind of evil, like if she's yes. just like, I, I hate my children and I'm going to my job, even yes. on Christmas Eve, then why do we care about her at all? And so it was important to me to kind of weave into her story, the reason that she ended up like this. And, you know, what happens when she is able to kind of revisit her past to the ghost of Christmas past is that we see mm. there's been a lot of trauma in her life. And there's been a lot of things that have happened to her that have basically led her to believe that she's not really a very good mother and that mm. she's not really doing a very good job as a mom. And even that her children kind of don't really need her or want her, you know, that they don't really want her around and that mm. they, they don't really they don't really see her as somebody that is sort of nurturing or caring. And, and she kind of places all of that onto her husband, Bo. And she's sort of like, you know, you're the good parent. I'm a uh -huh. bad parent. And, you know, and so I think so. And yes. And so for her, her job kind of becomes this place where she feels successful, you know, where she feels mm. like, yes, here I am. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm getting all of this feedback that, you know, she's a lawyer. She gets all this yes. feedback. My clients are happy with the work I'm doing for them. And that's kind of how she justifies for herself that it's okay to leave her kids with a nanny or a daycare or whatever, because they're actually being better taken care of oh. in her mind there than with her. And I think that might be true. I don't know, but I think that might be true for some moms in real life as well. Yeah. And Faith, because first of all, you said that it's not a job, it's a, it's an occupation or a voc vocation. vocation. Right. Yeah, that's You're right. What I call it. If it's not a job for other reasons, but one is because labor laws would prevent it from being a job. <laughs> it's just, yes, 24 seven. <laughs> Absolutely. 24 seven doesn't with almost no cessation in the tasks you're being forced to do. There's no break time built in. It's, it's just a mess. Um, and one of the things that, that, that I hope, and I haven't seen in, I haven't, like I said, I haven't read the book as yet. I will, but that I want to hear, like, I'm, I'm looking at you right now, Faith, and I'm nervous that there's so much order behind you. Like the, your bookshelf looks good. So now I'm thinking, wait a second, she must be doing parenting better than we are because I have chaos all around us. And uh, do you no. know, do you know Bethany Mendel? Yes. So Bethany, um, she's been on the show a bunch. She's kind of, she's a friend, I, it's fair to say. And we talk, we, we swap war stories because she's got six kids. We've got five. I know. And so <laughs> we've sent each other pictures of writing on walls. Mm-hmm. Because I said, told her kids, told her that my kids do that. So she sent me just to, to, to make me feel better some of the writing on her walls that her kids do. Yeah. And I sent things on my walls as well. And it's just one of those things where there's just so much doubt, self-doubt, that I almost as a parent, I like when we go to soccer games or football games, I like that the rest of the, or some of the other parents look haggard too. I <laughs> It, it it just makes me feel better, it, and, mm -hmm. and that's an important thing. I I hope the book kind of makes me feel better as a parent as well. Yeah, I hope so too, and I I agree. This is my lovely bookshelf in yeah. my in my living room, but you you can't see what's on the other side. <laughs> um, so you know that gets to be my little secret. But I I agree. I mean, this is hard. I think you know in our culture we've sort of. Um, polarized to, you know, parenthood is either awful and I don't want to have kids. And, you know, there's that, those kinds mm -hmm. of memes going around yes. of like, I want to stay kind of single and childless forever. And then I think people on the other side kind of come back with, no, it's blissful and wonderful. And it's always mm -hmm. kind of sunshine and rainbows in my houses. Look at my kitchen. It's so clean. And I think that's, we're not doing anybody any favors yeah. by, by having that be our, our rebuttal to, you know, why we should, we should have kids and we should maybe stay home or, or whatever. I think that parenthood is, is hard. It's hard. You know, you're, you're, there's a lot of like, bodily fluids going on and a lot of you right. know mess and a yes. lot of chaos and a lot of sort of confusion over like you know whose pickup time is it now and does that coincide with this one's nap and how do we get all of that organized but i think 
in reality, so that's fine. That's reality. And that certainly is part of part of the book. And but that that chaos can be beautiful. And we're raising we're raising these little people. And, you know, hmm. why not maybe try to be a part of that in some way and, and kind of jump into the chaos, maybe. Right. And I think that's such a great point that you make that there's like a dichotomy, especially online, where everybody tends to go to extremes, I think, of, you know, either it's like, you know, I'm just running on my Dunkin' Donuts and my dry shampoo right now and everything's chaos and crazy. And I'm such a bad parent kind of you know, humorous parenting takes versus then you have these like unrealistic, like kind of trad wife accounts that are just, you know, acting like everything can be perfect all the time. And and it's held up as like this example of this standard that you're supposed to be trying to meet all the time. And, you know, it just creates this like new kind of pressure, new kind of preachiness, like why am I not doing this and taking my kids here? And why aren't they in this extra math club or on this sports team or doing X, Y, Z? And in, you know, we create so much pressure in both directions on moms, especially that, you know, and and I think the conservative movement, you know, in trying to appreciate motherhood sometimes pushes too hard on like, oh, you have to be creating this like perfect home life for your kids all the time. And you just feel like I can't do this all the time. It's not I'm not good at it. And and I'm so glad that the book kind of reflects more of a reality of of what parenting is like, you know. Thank you. Yeah, I hope that it does. And I think and I've been really kind of open throughout this whole journey of talking about this book about how I, you know, I have no childcare, you know, I, I live far away from family and we, you know, we have maybe an occasional babysitter or something. And, but really I'm, I'm with my kids, as you say, 24 seven. And so this book was written really in these little chunks when my toddler was napping, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that, and sometimes that means kind of a little bit of chaos, uh, you know, a little bit of mess letting letting that stand to kind of go off and and do do this work this writing but um you know you can do that you you don't have to completely kind of amputate the part of yourself that maybe is creative or that has a little bit of ambition or drive in order to be a parent it's not sort of all one thing or all the other thing you can be here and be home and also do something else and you know for me it was writing the book is called Christmas Carol by Faith Moore, and you can get it online once again on uh, Amazon or at the Daily Wire. Let me ask you something: since we're having a, um, since we're sharing here, yeah. um, are there times that you that you ever get sad that you feel that you've fallen short with your kids? And, and I'll give you an example. So, like, my kids are not really good at baseball, and I was. My my dad and I played baseball all the time. I don't have the time, and we don't have baseball on around here too much, and they just they don't have it whatsoever. And I'm like, and seeing them try to play, I feel every time they swing and miss or they're terrible, to me, that's my failure. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I should I, I, I don't have the time, but it's my fault that I don't have the time. It, do, you, do you ever have th- things like that that happen with you? Well, I think every parent has guilt. I think it comes with the territory. I- there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I think, especially moms, I think mom guilt is a real thing. I think that you give birth to the baby and also your guilt at the same time, and they hand Mm. them both to you in the hospital, (laughs) you know? Um, And so I I think that 
you know, your example of baseball is a really good example because from where I sit, you haven't done anything wrong, right? Mm. You know, your kids are probably just interested in other things. That's just probably not, baseball's not their thing. And so that's fine. And you've probably supported them in that. And, you know, you're sitting in your chair thinking, oh no, you know, I really, in my picture of my perfect life with my kids, they were all, you know, baseball players and we were at the game every day or whatever, you know, but, but in their life, you know, they probably feel very supported doing whatever it is that they actually do like to do. And so I think we all have that. You know, Mm. I, you know, I frequently, I mean, even just the little things like, oh, I'm making dinner right now. And my kid is saying, I want to play a board game. And I'm thinking like, oh, like, why am I saying no to the board game? I love board games and I want to play this with them, but, oh, but dinner needs to get on the table. And, and of course the guilt flares up. So I think, you know, I think that guilt is just part of parenting and, you know, that's, that's kind of part of this book too is kind of maybe i hope that maybe it can give people a little bit of permission to kind of feel like oh i can be i don't have to completely dissociate from my mother self because i feel this guilt because it's hard because i you know worry so much about my kids you know maybe i can sort of sit in that for a little while um because i because i see how important it is to be there Mm -hmm. And that's one reason too that i love the theme of time in the book also because you know, I worked full time out of the house when we had our two oldest kids. And it was really hard. And eventually, you know, I said I have to be home. And in talking when I did my exit interview with my company that I loved, and I was talking to the CEO, who's a a super high powered woman. And, you know, she was like at McKinsey and always in business and, and was great. And she had kids also. And she said to me, you know, like we tell ourselves we can have it all. And that might be kind of true, but we can't have it all all at the same time. Hmm. That's and right. it was such a profound thing to say. And it really stuck with me hearing her, you know, say that or almost it felt like an admission, like a confession, we can't really have it all at the same time. But there's like, always a new moment. There's always like another time. You know what, like, I can decide right now that we're going to sit down and play the board game after dinner and I can decide we're going to read a book together and we're going to, you know, time is such a gift that we have that we can choose what to do with it each minute. And, you know, and I think that we don't really, I mean, Dickens was around like real, real poverty. So it really made sense for him to focus on the money aspect. But in our society, we don't necessarily have like starving beggar children in the street that we need to, that that's like not as real concern. But we do have in our modern society, so much pressure on us in terms of time. And like Tom was saying, it's impossible to meet all the to have time to do all the things that you want to do or picture yourself doing. And it's so hard to prioritize that. And I love that in the book because it captures so well that like that really modern dilemma. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I think that the, the thing that I sort of wanted to convey is that with your kids, there really isn't later. There's no later, (laughs) you know, you, you, in the entirety of your life as a parent, the time when your kids are home with you is very small. You know, mm. they're they're home full time for maybe let's say three years, and then maybe they start a little bit of nursery school, and then maybe they go to elementary, and then and on and on until they're grown and, and gone. And so you don't have to put all your dreams, you don't have to throw them all in the garbage. Mm-hmm. You might just sort of put them on hold mm. or reprioritize things for a little while. Because there, you, you can't come back when your work is done and then parent. You know, right. what, what you said about your boss is so true. You know, you, you can't have it all at the same time. It's impossible. And it's kind of a lie that we've been sold for a long time. You know, mm. you, you can't be in two places at the same time at right. once. It's just impossible. So you can't full-time work and full-time parent. And so, but you can kind of shift your priorities as your children grow up. And so, you know, for me, it's like, okay, so I got to write this one book when I was home full time, but now my toddler's in a little bit of preschool. So now I get to do a little bit more and then he'll be in full time school and with my older child and then I'll do a little bit more. And I think if we think about it that way, I think we can kind of conceptualize a way in which we could have it all. But as you say, not at exactly the same time. And I think that's kind of what 
Carol has to realize in the book is that mm. she, because she keeps saying, you know, well, I'll, I'll quit when I've got enough money for this, or I'll quit when this happens. And it's kind of like, okay, fine, but you will have missed kind of the entirety of your child's childhood, and there's no going back. You won't be able to right. kind of redo it. Well, that Alice and I were just talking about that, and that that uh, that scares me to think yeah. about. For some women, there's a story that just came out about a woman who's 38 and now has decided that the that she is feeling it, that she does want kids, and she's got no boyfriend and no prospects and doesn't know what to do now. And I, I can't. You in one I heard in an interview you said, um, Faith, that that you had trouble having kids initially. So I can't imagine as a woman what, like how horrifying and heartbreaking that must be to think that it's just simply never going to happen. Yeah. And I think that that comes, I mean, for me, I was struggling to have children even, you know, early, like I was younger than that. I was 32, I yep. think when I had my first child, but, um, and so, you know, very much wanted children and was struggling for a variety of reasons. But I think you're right. You know, when, when we tell women your job is to, you know, graduate college and then go off and have a big career yeah. and climb the corporate ladder and get to the top. And, you know, and then you can kind of take stock and find a husband and, you know, have children. Well, that's not true because we have biological clocks, right. you know, by the time that you get there and you're looking around you have no husband, you have no, you know, you have no way of having children, really. And so I think that that's important, too. It's important for people to understand that, you know, yes. that, that you, you really do have a kind of finite amount of time in order to do this. And we are so flipped about it. I mean, we we should have the children when we're younger and the career when we're older. Uh, yes. We can't have the children anymore. And I, I don't understand why mm. we're living this narrative instead of the other one. It, like we talked about is that people without kids have no concept of what it's like. They just don't know. But they have preconceived notions of what it's like. And one it's is both better and harder. One is one notion <laughs> that they have is that me. you're trading in all the fun. But it's not true. A lot there's a lot of spike seltzer moving through houses uh, with families. And you know, for instance, I in Halloween I went to this neighborhood, a very close knit neighborhood with with their friends, etc., to have Halloween. And the adults seem to be having a lot more Halloween fun than the kids in their own way. <laughs> so people need to know that it's not. Uh, it's the, the good times are not over. Well, of course not. Right. And and you know, I think especially moms have this notion that they like have to give up their other life or their real life or their true self in order to have kids. And that's also not true. And I mean, I think you're such a good example of that, too. I mean, that you're writing a book when you're home with your kids, too, like and having your whole inner life and your world and sharing that with your kids, too. That time is so special also. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, that's that's really important. I think that we do kind of in society, we're kind of given this picture of either you don't have any children and you keep living your fun single life and partying and, you know, working and doing whatever, or you have children and your whole life is, <laughs> you know, coloring and diapers right. and, you know, singing wheels on the bus or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, and, and there's nothing else. There's no in between. There's nothing. And I really think that that is not good for your children either. If you've completely kind of pushed down or, you know, put to the side everything that makes you 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 know who you are and the things that you like and the and the hobbies that you have and the pastimes that you enjoy if you've completely pushed those to the side because i am now a mom yes then you're not happy and if you're not happy your kids aren't happy and you know so that's obviously not the path forward i i think though that there are lots and lots of things that you can do like writing a book but tons mm -hmm. of other things you know like having opening an etsy store you know or yes. you know sort of freelance work or consulting or things like that where you can do them at home on the schedule that works for you with your children and then as i say as they get older and they move away and you have more time at home then you can kind of amp up that part of your life as right. the other part of your life kind of dwindles and so i i think that that's i think that's a viable path for people yeah and i think that that's fulfillment at the end of the day that's a yeah. huge that's for the next book actually which i <laughs> hear you are working on another book faith as a matter of fact but, oh, yes. Always, always writing many stories coming soon. So stay tuned. I look forward to <laughs> That's it. It's great. Is, uh, Faith Moore. The book is Christmas Carol, K-A-R-O-L. Get it on at Amazon or The Daily Wire. Faith, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for having me. Up, good people, right? She's fantastic. Love her. Yeah, she was she was great, and um, um, I I like when when people come with from new angles, uh, you know, about uh, life decisions and life choices. She's right, and I think it's fantastic that Daily Wire is publishing more books, and especially fiction books, because the publishing industry is so insane and woke oh yes there was this story that we didn't even talk about that was like a week or two ago we didn't get to it with other stuff but this woman who's obviously a huge liberal also wrote a book about a woman falling in love with her black nanny or whatever and she got canceled because it was like white saviorism and she's not Mm -hmm. supposed to write black characters or whatever because she's not a black woman and it was just like madness, but she's canceled. It was all, everybody said it was so problematic and terrible and how could it ever get approved? And she's obviously a huge liberal too. The publishing industry is run by insane people right now. It's like completely just it, cultural it really cultural revolution yes. crazy. And so like if we want new books to read that aren't just written by insane people and if we want our new books for our kids to read and everything else. We talked a little about how they have the kids um, like content creation. That's like TV stuff too, that they've done with original shows for kids. Like if we want things for our kids to watch and read and do, like I think it's so important that we support people that are making these efforts. And this actually genuinely is an awesome book. It's kind of, if you like stuff that's like, it's very, you know, Christmas, modern oh, yeah. fun oh, yeah. she's not afraid like, to say uh, yeah, to compare like it to hallmark like, movie yeah, kind which of we, which is a me yeah. and alice thing all day long yeah we'll do hallmark movies all day long them blowing into, oh, yeah. it's into, like feel into good. cocoa cups that are obviously empty all day long right christmasy themed yep. like it's just fun and great it's yes. like laugh out loud funny at some parts like if you like i like the confessions of a shopaholic books and stuff like that like I think it's a great gift, and I thought it was a fantastic book. So I think it's great to support her. I hope she comes out with lots more books yes. in the future. And like we were saying, there's no way any regular publisher would take it because mm. it has a message of like spending more time with your family and doing what's important over like, you know, being a boss babe, cool girl, you know, oh, whatever. Absolutely. So, absolutely. so it's great. I love it. It would be way too problematic to publish. It also rewrites Dickens, who I assume is problematic because he's a white man or whatever. But, you know, so so it's I think it's fantastic and everybody should go get at least one copy now. okay, so that brings us to we've got to most of the show. I've got a whole other show set up and waiting, but it's time for the chat chat. Is it really already time for the shot chat? It is. I have so many other topics. I know. Okay. It's like we've, but most, but, uh, but that is it is time for the shot chat. So we'll do uh, we'll do a whole bunch more, um, and for the Patreon. Yeah, if you're on Patreon, more standard. hard news. I'll give you the gist because I don't want to, you know, have anybody feel like they're getting screwed here. The gist is the media is working for Hamas, and the Sunday shows, all the Sunday shows, are working for Hamas, and their loyalties lie with mm-hmm. Hamas. And uh, other topics, uh, if you haven't heard, Bill Burr's wife gave Trump the middle finger at the UFC. So that's kind of owning um, uh, owning uh, Twitter X right now. And what was that other outrageous thing we have? Greta Thunberg. Oh, no, no. Yeah, we have with Greta. There's also a new poll out that shows that Democrats are not happy with the way Biden's handling uh, Israel. It's probably worth actually just sp- spending a second on that. But there's also... Oh, yes! Oh, and then... Oh, and then you know what, Alice? I'm going to read just a little bit of one of the stories because I don't want to. I, 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 I don't want people to feel like they're they didn't get uh, any rank uh, politics here or cultural um, uh, commentary. So this is just so beautiful. Let me just show you this. I saw this over the weekend. This CNN story. And you will all understand what's going on here, just like I understood. I saw it. I got this. I get. I get CNN alerts. So when I got this alert, I thought, you know what? What are the chances that this is nothing like I'm assuming I'm supposed to think it is? And or I guess this is an Apple News alert. Uh, open news. Okay. Open news. Am I allowed to open news? Okay. We're opening the Apple News. I didn't know that my my computer needed to learn how to do this, but it does. Okay. Okay. We're opening. Welcome to Apple News. Well, thank you. 
Okay, I'm continuing now. Just go to the thing I asked you to open, please. Don't show me what's going on today. You can use my current location. I'm growing angry, Alice. I'm sorry. Okay, this is a CNN story. Okay, just... So this is yeah, unbelievable. CNN story shows this uh, young lady behind a bar. Mm -hmm. She led the national school walkout after the Parkland mass shooting. Then she left America. So, wow, like David Hogg, she's one of these girls who was in that group who right. led the school walkout after the Parkland mass shooting. Lane Murdoch sometimes finds herself preemptively looking for emergency exits, even though she now lives and studies in a country where mass shootings are rare. More than five years after leading a national student walkout following the massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, the 21-year-old from Connecticut huh, occasionally looks for open windows and other potential escape routes around her Scottish University campus. She says most uh, of America is still having to deal with the daily mourning, Murdoch said, of her native country where nearly 1,500 children and teens have been killed by a gunfire so far this year. A gunfire, according to the Gun Violence Archive. It's oh. devastating, and I sometimes feel guilty that I've been able to leave. She's survivor's guilt because of the shooting right. so many so, people at her high school and, died. And like you, you sent me this story, so at mm -hmm. this point, I'm thinking, too, like, oh, so maybe, right. like, well, this, her She was family, there. I mean, like, she probably yeah. had to run through the halls. You know, I can understand Overall, there have been more than 590 mass shootings in the U.S. this year, leaving more than 600 people dead and 2,500 injured. Those include at least 69 school shootings, yada, 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 yada. Firearms are now number one killer of children and teens in America. Well, I mean, nobody knows this more than uh, Lane Hall, or whatever her name is. Uh, surpassing motor vehicle accidents, which had been the leading cause. It makes me call into question the work I did, Murdoch, Lane Murdoch said, uh, now 21, said in a phone interview in Edinburgh, referring to her anti-violence activism in high school. We've got a cultural issue in America. This is about the very fabric of what it means to be American. And unfortunately, that identity is tied to gun violence, and it's also tied to gun ownership. So, you know, so her looking for egresses and windows that are open that she could crawl through, I understand that. She survived a shooting. You know, you would have... Right. That is traumatizing. It, it said... She, now there's a quote above her picture where she's in the school hallway looking very concerned, said shared trauma over mass shootings. Murdoch was a high school sophomore in Ridgefield, Connecticut on Valentine's Day in 2018 when a young man opened fire at Marjorie Stone Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, killing 14 students and three teachers. Wait a second. <laughs> she survived the mass shooting from... 2,000 miles away? <laughs> she has a shared she up, trauma, honey. She came up with a... Shared trauma yeah, is the way you say that you don't have an right. actual trauma. She came up with a plan for students to walk out of school in protest of on April 20th, 2018, the anniversary of the 1999 Columbine High School Massacre, where she was also not present. <laughs> right. Murdoch's change.org petition, uh, petition for the walkout was noticed far beyond Ridgefield, which is less than 30 minutes from Sandy Hook, where she also wasn't. <laughs> We're 20 elementary school students. So there we go. CNN's done everything they can to try to launder this lady into a, a school shooting victim where she was nowhere near danger in any one of these it's places. Also like, and now she's escaped, escaped to Scotland because she couldn't get shot at in America. <laughs> so it's also like the uh, Moms Demand Action woman, uh, Shannon oh, yes. Watts, who's yes. the same thing, who somebody yelled at you about. Yes. Um Calling her like one of the moms from um, Sandy Hook. Right. She's a Sandy Hook mom. Like, no, she's not. She just no. started a club called Moms Demand Action for like any moms who were upset about yes. um, Sandy Hook. Not like everybody. So there you go. That is my favorite media story of the week. But I want to say um, it was great talk talking to Danny and Bill Rickett last night, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And the whole crew mm -hmm. up there, and they raised uh, some money. Uh, for veterans. But it, but it was just like a, a a show honoring veterans and shooting the breeze. And I just, just I like those guys. You know, I, I, I listen to those guys more than I listen to, like, my family. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I know. So I'm here's, uh, there are two chat chat messages. Are you f ready for the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline? Um, yes, brought to us by Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce, in fact. SFM. Steve from Merriman. Hey, Steve. I uh, wanted to congratulate you both on Peter Rabbit there, um, but most especially Alice, I'm assuming. Yeah. But what a what a delight. What a serene baby. He's, I think you've had him on the air like four or five times. Yeah. And not a peep out of this kid. 
Yes. He's very chill. Steve, he is. And actually, as somebody who doesn't do well necessarily with babies screaming like jihadis at me, especially my first one who's <laughs> with an earshot who I'll never forgive for terrorizing me. Um, you want to tell the people what you told her on night two? Oh, the, uh, that's... That needs context, Alice. That needs okay. a community note. We Maybe we'll tell them tomorrow. It's, it's, in the Patreon section only. I, yeah, P- Patreon section only. Yeah. Um, uh, let me. But he, yeah, he's a nice guy so far. Nothing like you know, maybe a, a, the pleasant uh, cooing sound every now and then. Uh, very, very nice. I'm sure he's going to be a very serene baby, and huh. he's going to be grow up to be a very nice adult who's probably going to be everybody's buddy. You know. Peter. And it really is very funny to me because he was conceived <laughs> in such a time of absolute tumult. Yes. Maybe his personality is the opposite of what he was conceived in because <laughs> my recollection of that period is his father, you know, you know, single-handedly keeping the Dr. McGillicuddy's company <laughs> nip business, uh, you know, in the black. That is wandering true. around the bulldoze in Newburyburg going, <laughs> that is, that is accurate. You know, like you were Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe it had the opposite effect and uh, it's very nice to see. So thank you. Well done. Bravo. Thank, thank you, you, Steve. Yes, it is amazing. It is it, so far easy as a very nice guy. But yeah, that period, that sucked. Oh, Jesus. 2023 blows, with the exception of he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, let's see. Um, the Pierce Morgan thing. Hey, Tom and Alice. I hey. don't know if you've seen the uh, Pierce Morgan interview debate. It's more of a back and forth. It was with uh, right. Rabbi Shmuley oh, no. and um, that sink. I think his name is Chink. Yeah, 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 yeah. I play. I was playing from... part of that the other day. I well, I did see part of that. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Chink lost his mind. The rabbi was awesome. Young Turks. Mm-hmm. I never knew uh, that that guy from the Young Turks was an anti-Semite. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a, a and, uh, nutcase. He sounded like a um, cheerleader for Hamas during that. Back it and is forth crazy with, because um, the left running for president. A lot of people who are on the left like did seem so normal. Yeah. Until the Israel stuff. And then it was like Oof. right under the surface. Like, yeah. whoa. There they went. <laughs> Rabbi Shmuley. Anyway, I was wondering if you, uh, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah it was uh, really just good. Like a, he was like losing it. Um, the young yeah. Turks sink guy. Yeah, because the the pro Israel like guy. Stroke out. The pro Israel guy brought up, you good know, grief. all the times that. Hamas and the Palestinians were offered peace deals and territory and this and that and what they were given and offered and two st- all the times that they turned down two-state solutions because they don't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution without Israel in it. Um, and so, you know, he was like rattling off all these times that they've turned down all these deals. And whenever someone, is, whenever someone yeah. starts using personal names and screaming like a lunatic they're losing the debate let me remain you're factual. the one First who of all, and made the up palestinians, things the palestinians the palestinians the, I, the palestinians were offered a state in 1936 in the peel commission they rejected it they were offered a state in 1947 the u.n partition plan they rejected it they were offered a state in 1967 after israel conquered judea and samaria and the west bank they rejected it they were offered a state in 2000 yasser arafat Ehud barak they rejected it they were offered a state with Ehud omer 2008 they rejected it they have the israel unilaterally withdrew from gaza in 2005 and they did not create a state in fact, where were you, Cenk, when you say that you care about Palestinian children, when Hamas stole the highest rate of per capita international foreign aid, larger than the Marshall Plan, from Palestinian children, did not build schools for them, did not build hospitals, took all the money to buy bombs and to build a network of tunnels, which is larger than the, than the New York subway system. Where were you then? Why are, did you only come up now? In fact, when Bashar al-Assad killed six 100,000 children, Arab children, when he gassed them with mustard gas, my organization took out full-page New York Times ads to protect them from sarin gas. Where were you then? You don't care about Arab children. You are a Jew hater, defined as someone who only Shut wants to lie up. and say that the Jews you are bigot. genocidaires. You and racist. don't try to cancel me and say that I shouldn't be on. You're not a producer of this show. Because you are ignorant of the facts and ignorant of the history does not mean that you can cancel uh, Jay, my voice. Jay. Let me tell you something. 
the Piers Morgan show appears to be fi- freaking awesome. I, everything yeah, he I, has on tons of interesting yeah. people. And, and let me say another thing. And I, and I've noticed this guy like just historically over like like the past five or six years, just like for viral clips. The greatest single interviewer in the history of civilization is Graham Norton. How does it? How does he have like Schwarzenegger along with you know? You know, Hugh Grant, who's along with John Cena, along with, like, what the, you've seen the show, right? The English show with the guy mm-hmm. on the couch? Yeah, Where he'll have you two on, and the, the, he's the greatest single guest getter in the history of the world. Apparently. Friggin' A. Amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I was there, actually, when uh, at uh, the RNC when Chank was there, and, and, and Roger Stone got in a fight with him, and Alex Jones, too. We were right there watching the whole thing. It was crazy. Freaking crazy. Uh, okay, sorry about that. I apologize. Bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me is B-E-A-R, right? B-E-A-R, like the bear. yeah. Okay. Hi, my bicycle. Hi. Getting colder. I'm going to need a blanket or something. It's getting cold. I'm freezing my wheels off. That's my bike. I thought about riding it. At one point today, I saw it, and I thought, should I try to ride this today? But uh, I don't know. I, I was, I'm was. i still scarred from from a bike accident that happened in Portland, in Florida. I'm I'm also traumatized from mm-hmm. up here, just like that girl we were talking to. The guy asked if I was all right. People, I'm too fat to be on a bike, right? I'm less fat now. You are less fat yeah. than when that happened. True. Carrie from Winchester's husband, Albie. Okay. Hi, Carrie from Winchester's husband here. (laughs) Tom, I often learn a lot from you and Alice about how to think about things politically. But I notice when you guys talk about potential vice presidential running mates, you fall on the often used crutch of thinking about whether that candidate can bring their home state Mm. in the election. And I brought you some stats here from the last 30 years to show you that Mm -hmm. that's really an irrelevant way to think about it. So if you look at the last 30 years, it is true that the vice presidential running mate, generally they win his home state. The only time they haven't in the last 30 years are uh, Paul Ryan in 12, uh, Edwards mm-hmm. in 04, and Kemp in 96. However, if you look at you know which states would have been expected to win, really in the last 30 years, the only vice presidential candidate that has flipped the state in his direction has been Al Gore, both times in 92 and 96. Wow. However... He flipped Tennessee, but that was Clinton. And some of the states that also flipped for those two years were Arkansas, Missouri, Nevada, New Hampshire, Ohio. So really, Al Gore um, was riding the Clinton wave and not necessarily bring his home state. Hmm. So in 30 years, the way I look at it, not a single vice presidential, presidential candidate has brought a state that he wasn't expected to bring. And so I think it's really irrelevant. Hmm. I think it's a bad way to pick a vice presidential candidate. And I really think... The VP candidate probably is a bit irrelevant anyway. So yeah. sorry for the long message, no. but just some thoughts about yeah. that. That's a Do you think great that's point. Well, if you look at that, it, it, it's a great piece of uh, information. And, and I can think of times when it, when it wasn't used. Remember, I mean, oh, this was a losing time, but they, they, the silly man who was with Hillary Clinton, um, Tim, whatever. Right. Uh, he was supposed the Virginia to, guy. He was supposed to just be a nobody. Right. Just just stay there and don't distract from her the history Tim that's Kane. happening. Tim Kaine, exactly. And I think Cheney, although Wyoming obviously was going to be red no matter what, but Cheney was being gravitas because the kid, George W., came off a little dumb when he spoke sometimes. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do think it's interesting about w- ability to carry states and this and that because Gore did not get Tennessee in 2000 when he ran for president by himself. And you're right, that goes to your point that it was a Clinton the well right mojo. and I think I think the point is a good one that you know generally and I think it's probably more true now than ever because things are so partisan people are really like voting almost entirely like most of the states it's not up for grabs who's going to get them right it's really only like a handful of states right. that There's seven right now that count right (laughs) that matter um and it's not a lot of people in those states either most of the people in those states are going to vote the way they're going to vote regardless so it's it's interesting and i mean 
I suppose the big example that people would give of where a VP pick did influence who won the election, and I'm not even sure if it's true, but um, but it's the conventional wisdom, certainly, that Sarah Palin's, as a pick, hurt McCain in in 2008. Do you think it did, though? I don't know I, I that don't, I do, I but think... people felt that it did at the time. That I, was sort of well, the takeaway people, people had. Uh, but people right? Isn't that the point her. of like game change in that? Yeah, I guess so. Although, really, I mean, that's the game change is really about the ascension of Obama, I think. Um, but I, I mean, I think the writing was on the wall, and so they had to try to do something to blow it up. So we, she was right. making history too, and but mm-hmm. then the media just mauled her, and she was well. And I think it was supposed to be because McCain's old and he's boring mm-hmm. and he's not like exciting and cool and that was supposed to like not just the woman thing although the woman thing was good but it was supposed to be like you know she's attractive and she's young and she's saying cool and she was stuff good at governor and like, yeah governor yeah um so yeah so if you are still there we do have a lot more to talk about i have some stories about fact checkers um i do want to talk about the the guy in new york who saved the woman with a gun on the in, in the subway or was it just in the street? I don't know. Subway. Um, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about cleaning up San Francisco. A lot to get to. If you're on Patreon, stay there and we will do that at the other side. C'est la vie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 